0: Before we get into the Bible today and spend time in the Word of God together, let me just set up the next few minutes. Uh, For the most part, we speak our message part of our church in what we call series around here, uh, where we take four weeks or six weeks or eight weeks, and we are on a similar topic or going through a similar book of the Bible, and it's just the way that we work things around here. Uh, at this point, right now, we finished up our study on the book of Colossians last week. September, the first week of September, we are going into this beautiful local-focused. How do we reach our neighbors and all that type of stuff? And so we have a couple weeks kind of of uh, in between. And uh, as a part of the sermon today, I I want you to hear this hear a story of what God has done in somebody's life. And actually, in 2013. We did a sermon series that we titled My Story. And it was a memorable thing from like almost a decade ago. We were about a quarter of the size of our church now back then. And we had people, we had four different people come up one each Sunday and share what God had done in their life. They told their story. And so today, that's what this is going to look like. Uh, we have a story that is going to be shared from someone in our church family. And then I'm going to come and share for, from the Bible for a few minutes as well. Uh, but in a moment, you're gonna have the opportunity to meet Miles. And uh, some of you know him, others not so much. Miles is a sock-center kid, uh, went to high school right here, but you're gonna hear him tell a story of how he made a mess of things in his life. And uh, Miles has a story of addiction, has a story of pain, a story of sin, uh, but also a beautiful story of redemption and an incredible story of the grace of God and what God has done and what God can do, the love and the power of God. And so you're going to love Miles, and I believe that his story is going to serve as a warning for some at the destruction, destructive nature of what sin can do in a life, but it's also going to serve as this blast of encouragement and goodness as you hear how God can step into some of the nastiest of things and do amazing stuff. That was horrible grammar, but it was great, okay? And it's exactly what I meant to say, okay? Uh, and, and understand with me, it is crazy difficult to stand up here and look good, uh, and uh, that's not what I meant to say. Uh, it's hard to talk in front of people. It's hard, isn't it? And you know that, and so for Miles here, this is a big deal, we're fired up for you and excited, and so will you welcome our, my friend Miles onto the stage? Come on up here, buddy. Dude, they're standing for
1: you. Thank you, thank you. Good morning, good morning, church. Okay, uh, I'd just like to bow my head and pray for a second, if that's okay, okay. Um, Father God, I'd just like to pray that um, you give me the ability to um, give my testimony in a powerful way and maybe help some people um, that may be in a hopeless situation um, and give them some hope. Um, in Jesus' name I pray, amen. Okay, uh, my name is Miles Namvar. I am uh, 25 years old um, from Sox Center, Minnesota. So growing up, uh, I felt a lot of rejection in my life um, and... A need to feel accepted. Uh, didn't have many friends. Uh, got into the wrong group of friends. Um, started smoking marijuana at the age of 12, uh, partying, drinking, all that stuff. Um, slowly, it started to become the focal point in my life. Um, at the age of 16, I ended up picking up uh, methamphetamine, um, crack cocaine, cocaine, uh, just all, all the nasty, hard drugs. And slowly, they just began to take over my life. Um, and just uh, it slowly just became everything. Uh, it controlled me. Uh, I stole from people I loved. I hurt a lot of people. Uh, made a lot of bad decisions. Um, one of the lowest points in my, in my addiction was when my son was uh, going to be born, my uh, girlfriend told me, Miles, just please, please be sober for your son's birth. Um, and I couldn't even manage that. I was in the bathroom using drugs uh, while my son was being born. And that, and even that, uh, that wasn't enough for me to realize that I had a real problem. Um, again, I had, when I was 18, an overdose on crack cocaine. Uh, half my body went numb. Uh, I almost died. And uh, that wasn't enough to wake me up either. Uh, the next day, I was using crack again. Um, so... Moving forward, I I had been in jail three, four times um, for uh, the same mistakes, uh, had a felony on my record, um, hard to get jobs, and things like that. Um, Anyway, so about a year ago today, I made one of the worst decisions of my life, and I end up in jail. Um, Woke up in a jail cell, just sick and tired of being sick and tired, doing the same thing, over and over again, this revolving door and cycle. Um, I wake up in a jail cell, and I tell myself, um, I can't do this anymore. And I just, at that moment, I surrendered to God and got on my knees. I was like, I can't do this. I'm so sick of living like this. Um, It's destroying me. It's destroying my family. I've hurt everybody around me. And I realized that I I just needed to change. And so in that moment, I prayed to God. I was like, God, God, um, if you can just change my life and change me and change my heart, um, I will serve you for the rest of my life. And so I get out of jail, and my mom, I, my mom mentioned Teen Challenge, and uh, I had never been, or I, I had heard of it, but I heard it was a year-long program, and I was like, I don't, I don't know if I can do this, um, and I came up with a lot of excuses of, of why I thought I could handle it myself, but I knew in the past trying to handle things myself didn't work out. Um, trying to control every situation and, and giving up control is what ended up helping me. Um, so my mom uh, signed me up for Teen Challenge. I I checked myself in, and when I got there, I instantly felt loved. It was one of the um, one of the times that I've times in my life where I felt the most loved. As soon as I walked in the door, um, people uh, just they just treat you so well. I never felt that kind of love in my life. Um, we went to churches together. We sung. We gave our testimony. Um, and it, we're just a brotherhood there. Uh, we all lift each other up. We do Bible studies. Uh, and it's just an amazing experience. And in the midst of that, I found God and Jesus Christ and what he had done for me. Um, I... I had what they call the ugly cry at one service, and I uh, and that was the experience. I felt the Holy Spirit, and I experienced God in a powerful way. And since then, I have not been the same. I have not been the same person. I um, so now today, I I've regained everything that I have lost had lost. I, I have my son again in my life. I have my significant other back in my life, which I had lost. Um, I have my own place. I, I have things. God has blessed me in so many ways. Once I gave up um, trying to do things on my own that's, and, and giving it to God and telling God, I need you, I, I, I love you and I need you, um, that's when things really started to change. Um, so I'd just like to show you guys a picture real quick, if possible, if you guys could bring up a picture. Uh, that's what addiction looks like. And that was me, uh, one of the three times I had been to jail and, um, and I'm not like that today, so it's a blessing. <laughs> and thanks. And I would just like to leave you guys with a, with a verse that helped me while I was in um, Teen Challenge. Um, Luke 137, um, for nothing is impossible with God. Um, thank you guys for having me and uh, allowing me to speak. Thanks.
0: Come on, you've got to stay up here with me for a second. Hey. Today is a significant day and he didn't mention that as well and this wasn't even a part of the plan but like we've he told me this before when I told him hey I wanted to share your story what tell us tell us the significance of today
1: I am 1 year sober today.
0: 1 year, come on. <laughs> Hey, Miles, thank you so much for just taking a moment and doing that. Um, I know that's crazy hard. It's, it's nervous, but you're also kind of burying your soul, man, and talking about the stuff that you regret, the stuff that you, the ways that you messed up. And I think every one of us, we kind of agree and just say, like, that's a hard thing for you to do, and we love, and we love you for it. And I believe that even your story today, as we just talk some of this out, is going to help bring freedom to somebody. And, uh, and so today I'm going to just share a very practical message uh, on this and, and just talk a little bit about two things. I'm gonna talk about the destructive nature of sin from a biblical perspective. And we're gonna talk then second about the incredible grace of God. And we're, we're basically looking at a Bible perspective of exactly what God has done in his life. Uh, And we could go around, and there are others of you who have stories of what God has done and how God has changed you you and your situation, Uh, but I, I truly believe that someone is going to be different because of this, okay? So let's start by just praying together, and so stand with me all over this place. What's a good church service without standing up and sitting down a few times, right? That's good. Let's just pray together. God, we are amazed at your goodness and your grace, and we celebrate with Miles and his family today, uh, as it is so evident of the life change, and you, God, were the center of it all. And so, Lord, we just thank you for that. God, I pray that as we look to your word today, and as we talk about maybe some things that are harsh and pointed and difficult, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would go before, and that you would soften hearts and speak exactly what needs to be said to people here today and people watching behind a screen. And so God, we thank you. Use me, help me, and it's in your name we pray. Amen, amen. All right, give somebody a high five and have a seat. All right, so here we go. I'm going to give you like five, six, seven, eight just points, statements. Write this stuff down if you're taking notes. Uh, all on the topic of sin and then transitioning to the grace of God I believe this is gonna be fantastic for some of us as we just if you like writing taking notes this is a great week to take notes cuz it's like lined up perfectly you're gonna you're gonna love that alright so um, so here we go write this down if you're taking notes number one in most cases sin is a process in most cases sin is a process oftentimes Oftentimes, we think of this word sin, and we think of it as a moment, a moment in time when a specific thing took place at a specific time, but scripturally, sin and this destructive nature of sin is described as more of a process, and the place that we see this the most clearly is James chapter 1. Let me read this to you quickly, Uh, verse 14, each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then, after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it's full-grown, gives birth to death. There is a process that goes into this idea of sin, and James here just lays out what this looks like, like almost a step-by-step progression of what sin looks like in our lives. And I guarantee you, if we would look into and talk to Miles and and talk through some of the deeper things and deeper parts of his story, like if we could go back to some of his lowest moments, things he's ashamed of and things he regrets, like what we would find is a chain of events that led him to where he ended up. It, It was not, I went to bed never doing whatever and woke up the next morning completely Off the change, addicted. That's not how this works. Sin is, there is a progression and there is a process, okay, that is a part of a small decision scattered along the way. James lays this out in four parts, and understanding this for us as Christians can be helpful. First, we have the word tempted, then we have the word desire, then sin, and then death, okay? So understand sin begins with temptation. Temptation is not sin, but sin begins in that way. Each person is tempted, and temptation always comes in the areas that we are most weak. And that may be different. From person to person, our temptation and your temptation is very different than my temptation, even though some of that may overlap. We all have our weaknesses. We all have our things in a way that entice us or that move us in that type of direction, okay? Uh, and let me just say this be aware and know your weaknesses. If your weakness is alcohol, then come on, know that. And don't go hanging out at the bar if that's your weakness, like straight out of the the book of duh here, okay, (laughs) if that's a book. Like, be wise about some of that stuff. Know your weaknesses. If your weakness is pornography and sexual stuff, then don't find yourself all by yourself at midnight home with your computer, like, let's figure out some of this stuff and be wise and smart about the areas that we are weak and the areas that temptation comes to you. All right? There we go. That's good stuff. Uh, for some of us, it's anger. Some of us, it's the words that come out of our mouths. Sin begins with temptation. James continues, and we are now dragged away by our own evil desires. Like, don't, don't miss this right here. Understand this about you. You have desires inside of you that will destroy you if you do not control them with God's help. Like you have desires. I've illustrated this in the past. A number of years ago, um, I I showed a little video on the screen of an underwater camera. Uh, It was like a fishing kind of thing is what it was. Fishermen, you know what I'm talking about. They have these cameras that go down and and you can like watch your hook and your bait like jiggle there or whatever they call it, okay? And and I I show this video, and we had this this hook and this bait down there, and you saw a fish kind of slowly move towards it. It was enticed by this bait. And for a moment there, it just kind of, I was going to say sat there, but swam there, hung there, floated there, whatever it did, and it looked, and it just kind of looked at the bait. And then all of a sudden you could see the moment when the temptation and the enticement of this bait became too much for it. And it then went at it. And what it doesn't understand, the fish doesn't understand that the very thing that is enticing it in that moment is the very thing that is going to lead to its death. And hear that, somebody. Like we don't understand, and we don't see it that way, and we see, all, we see that so far out maybe, but like the very thing, the very thing that is dangling in front of you that you know is your weakness, and you know is, is the temptation is there, that very thing could be the very thing that destroys you, and whatever that looks like in your life, okay? The fish is tempted, and its desire is the very thing that will we'll Temptation is rooted in desire, and when we begin to act on those desires is when we have this word that the Bible uses called sin. And don't miss the end of what James writes here. We're going to come back to this a little bit later. But when sin is full grown, it gives birth to death. It gives birth to death. Or you could say the word it destroys is maybe an easier translation. Okay. Now, hear this right here. Number two, hear this. Sin is fun, but only for a season. Sin is fun, but only for a season. I actually sat down with Miles. We had lunch at the Mexican restaurant on Thursday this week. It was great. I loved that. I liked that place, okay? This is not a promotion for them, but it was good, all right? All right. And we sat down, and we talked about this moment, and, and I heard him share so much more of his story than he was even able to share right here. One of the things that he said that just kind of jumped out to me as he, he's like telling his story of how drugs destroyed his life. And he said this, he said, I'd be lying if I said that I wasn't having fun. And, and I waited and he went on and he said, when I first got into meth, like it was fun. Life was a party, uh, but when you listen to him talk and you listen to him continue, there, rec- there comes this point when life is no longer a party. And the sin, or in this case, the addiction, things begin to transform, and you don't really even see it coming, and you don't even know when it happened and when it didn't. All of a sudden, it's like you wake up, you wake up one day, and in his words, I realized that this had now consumed every part of my life. It consumed me. And in, and in his words, it's all I thought about. It's all I worked for. It was my morning. It was my night. It was my breakfast, lunch, and dinner. It completely consumed me. My life became about getting from one drug experience to the next. My life got there. And listen to me. Uh, don't miss it. Like, like, there is no question that sin is fun for a season. Drugs can be fun, alcohol can be fun, sex can be fun, adultery can be fun, pornography can be fun, making money in a shady way can be fun. It can all be fun. There is pleasure and there is fun intertwined with all of this, but just don't miss this. It does not last. It's temporary. uh, Hebrews chapter 11 says, by faith Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The fleeting pleasures of sin. Sin is fun, but understand it is temporary. It is fleeting. It doesn't last. And what it leaves you with, and this brings you to the next piece of this, is this. Number three, sin always is destructive. Sin is always destructive. The pleasures of sin are temporary, but sin always destroys. It's the nature of what it is. John chapter 8 says, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. And I'm sure that would be a great word, Miles, that you would use to describe your addiction as you became a slave to that stuff. Uh, James chapter 1, we read this sin, when it is full grown, it gives birth to death. Sin is fun for a season, but you're playing with fire. And somebody needs to hear this today. You're playing with fire. You're messing with something dangerous here. And we could go around this room and hear story after story after story of how people had a lot of fun in their sin, and then they, then they tell the rest of the story about how it destroyed their family, and how their marriage is not the same anymore. And how this impacted this in one way or another, understand, even though you may enjoy it and that the, the temptation is there because you desire some of that stuff, understand it's the very thing that will bring destruction on your life. In fact, uh, the Bible says there is no one righteous, not even one We have all made a mess of things in different ways at different times, and sin has destroyed things in our lives in different ways. Miles talks about his families. He talks about his relationships. He talks about not being able to hold a job, different areas of his life where sin brought destruction. Let this be a warning to somebody today, someone who is treating this sin sin in their lives very lightly. You may be having fun right now. You may think nobody knows and it's not hurting anybody and it's your little secret. I'm telling you, it will find you out. It'll find you out. It'll come to light. And I am tired as a pastor of of lives and families being destroyed by sin. Like I'm sick of it. It is no fun for, for us to have people come to us and say, I cheated on my wife. Now what do I do? When you get to that point, we're now trying to put pieces together. Understand the destructive nature of sin. Learn from Miles today. He did not wake up one day addicted to meth. It was a process of decisions and moments that added up. Now, learn from that. Now, here's the transition. The problem is sin, but there is an answer, okay? And and the answer is this. I'm going to say it this way. The answer is humility and repentance, Humility and repentance, okay? Listen to me very closely. You may be here today and your life is filled with sin, filled with addiction. Maybe nobody knows uh, any of this, but you're here this morning and you know that something needs to change. The answer is to humbly go to God and to repent. Miles told, like he touched on this for eight seconds of his story. He is in he is in a jail cell, gets down on his knees, and says, God, enough. Enough. The answer is to humbly go to God and repent. James chapter 4, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Grace to the humble, which is a theme we see all throughout the Bible. Over and over and over again, we see God turning towards, moving towards, responding to, giving grace to this thing called humility. And humility, in its most basic form, is just admitting our inability to do this on our own. It's admitting that we need God. We we humbly go to God and we repent. Joel chapter 2, turn to me now while there is still time, give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. And fasting, weeping, and mourning is absolute humility. Don't tear your clothes, clothing in your grief, but tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for he is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry, and filled with unfailing love, humility, and repentance. Repentance, understand, is more than just saying, I'm sorry for what I did, please forgive me. Repentance carries this idea of the word turning. In fact, if you look at like the original the original language and all this, it's 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 almost like doing a 180. I was going this direction, repenting is not just saying, I'm sorry for what I did, please forgive me, and then you're still continuing here. Repentance is I'm going in this direction and you say I, I humbly cannot I I give it to you, God, and help me. And it's making a turn. And now you're going in the other direction. Okay, the, the verse in Joel begins with the word turn turn to me. I am turning from my sin and turning towards Christ. Humility and repentance. And I guarantee humility and repentance was a part of Miles' transformation and what God was able to do in his life. Okay, and don't miss, don't miss this. Okay, just a couple more here. Don't miss this. You are never too far gone. You're never too far gone. Understand, there are consequences for sin in this world, and sometimes God allows those things to play themselves out in your life even after, okay? Just because you repent and, and, and humbly go to God does not guarantee your marriage is now going to be fixed, Okay? But understand, you are never too far gone. Romans chapter 8, I'm convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love. Neither death, nor life, nor angels, or demons, fears for today, worries about tomorrow, not even powers of hell can separate us from God's love. No power in the sky above or in earth below. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord thought about wording it this way, like you are never out of reach, or, or no sin is too great to be forgiven. We could say this in a number of different ways. I've heard people say to me, you don't know what I've done, you don't know where I've been, you don't know who I hurt, how I have lived, you don't understand, okay? And for somebody here today, you just need to hear these words, you are, you are not out of reach, for the love and the grace of God. Miles made a mess of things. You heard him talk about that. And, and he has a past. He has a past he's not proud of. But nothing he has done has disqualified him from the beautiful, amazing, incredible love and grace of God. Miles, you are, you are loved. You are forgiven. You are free. You are chosen. You are significant. Not, be, not because you deserve it, Not because you have earned it, but that's just how God works. And those that come humbly and repentant to God receive that. Come on, that's good stuff. It's... But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We don't deserve it. There's nothing we can do to earn it. It's this beautiful free gift of grace and mercy from a God that loves us even while we were still in our sin. Now for somebody today, I don't know what we number, we're on four or five or six or something, but okay, don't, don't let shame and guilt take root in your life. This is kind of all over the place here. Don't let shame and guilt take root in your life. And um, Miles, let me just like speak to you here from a like, and, and this entire place can learn from your story in this situation right here. One of the temptations that you are going to face constantly in your life is the temptation for you to live your life rooted in shame and guilt from your past. Okay? Uh, and even though you are forgiven, and even though we are forgiven, uh, even though God has changed your life in such a powerful way, the enemy is going to tempt you to allow shame and guilt to fester and to continue to be there and to listen for somebody in this place like you have you may have received the forgiveness and the grace of God and you may be very different than you once were but you have not been able to get past what you did who you hurt the things that your past are filled with now check this out Romans chapter 8 therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. There is no condemnation. Somebody hear that and grab that. Somebody who is struggling with what you have done and struggling with with the decision that you made or whatever that was so long ago and and you hold on to what you did Understand and hear that today. There is no condemnation. There is no condemnation uh, for those who are in Christ Jesus. You don't have to live in that anymore. You don't have to like you have been set free and you can live in the glorious beauty of what Jesus has done in your life. Music team, will you please come? One final piece. And I don't think we think about it this way too often, and I think we should. Uh, and we have a great example of this even today with Miles telling his story. Uh, If you're taking notes, write this down. God will use your past for good if you allow him to. If you allow him to. This is the grace of God. It changes things. The old is gone. The new has come only through the power and the grace and the mercy of God. Romans, okay, we know that in all things God works for the good, of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Miles, your biggest regrets and your biggest mistakes can be the very thing that God uses for his glory to show somebody and move in somebody and change somebody uh, as they see the change that has happened in you. Your biggest mistake can be the number one place and number one area that God can use you if you allow him to if you if you live in the shame and the guilt and never move then you are just stuck in that but if you allow the grace of god to move in your life and your story can be something significant for somebody else some of us are so ashamed of what we have done that the thought of even mentioning mentioning any of it to anybody just causes you to to, to crawl in a hole. Some of us in this place, and I know this, some of us have had an abortion. And I believe God is saying to someone here today, I don't hold that against you. You can be free and your story can be the very thing that brings life and healing and hope to somebody else. You are forgiven and free. Don't let that kill you any longer. You are free from that. morning we're going to end in a little bit of a different way. Uh, Typically we stand up and we sing together, but as I was just preparing for this today, I, I felt a little pull in a different direction. I was actually riding in my car with my daughter and we were listening to this song and as I was listening to this song, like I almost got emotional as the lyrics of this song just kind of jumped off of the radio station to my mind and it's and so I on Thursday at about lunchtime I said band can you play this song and most of them had never heard it before and uh, they're like okay and so here here we go I asked them to just play a song for us today Um, this song this song is called fear is not my future Pray that as you sit here in this moment today, and reflect, and listen, and just even read the words on the screen, I pray that God would do something in you. And I even I want us to even turn down the lights in the like we typically do right here, and we're just going to kind of sit in this moment. Let me read you just the first verse of this song. It just says, "Let him turn it in your favor. Watch him work it for your good. He's not done." what he started. He's not done until it's good. And it's just this beautiful thing. And so God, we I pray in this moment that even as we just listen, as we're quiet, as we read these lyrics, let this move somebody in a significant way. God, we give this to you in
2: Him turn. Away your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. Let him turn. Watch him working for your good. He's not done with what he started. He's not done until it's good. Hello peace, hello joy, hello love, hello strength hello hope it's a new rising hello peace hello joy hello love You are. You are. Death is not the end. You are. You are. This is not my future. You are. You
3: are. This is not my story. You are.
0: God wants to take our sin and our mistakes and absolutely, completely transform our lives. And we've seen today a living example of a fairly extreme version of that. And we celebrate together with someone in our church family who is a year year sober, day because of the grace of God and what God has done. This is not just a drug treatment program. This was infused with the grace of God and prayer and accountability and this beautiful thing that lays out, that lays out God working in some of the worst situations we could imagine. Some of us are trying to do this on your own. You were not created to do this on your own. you're here today and with no one looking around just a time of privacy and reflection feel no shame and no guilt in any of this, that's not what this is, but who here today would just be honest with me and just say I have a messy past and I need God to transform that I need him to take that and I need him to turn it into good. If that's you, just show me your hand. Maybe you're dealing with shame. Maybe you're dealing with the guilt of what you have done. God wants to change that. And if that's you, just lift up your hand. No one is looking around. I just want to pray for you. And God, I pray you see you see the hands in this place, God, and you know that there are even some who are so ashamed that they won't even lift a hand in this moment. And Lord, I pray, I pray that something would break. I pray that things would fall off, that shame and guilt would fall to the side, and that as we walk out these doors today, that someone in this place would be absolutely, completely free as they humbly lay themselves before you. God, we pray, God, that the old would be gone and that new would come. We pray that your love and your grace would just be central and would transform. Situations and transform people, even in this moment right now. And God, for that person or that handful of people in this place today, who have have never truly responded to Your message of grace and forgiveness, God—not not talking about just being baptized or going through confirmation class, but truly on their own, in their own mind and their own heart, saying, "God, forgive me." God, change me, God, I receive what you have given. And God, I pray that that person or those people would do that today and even in this moment right here. If that is you and you have never responded to the message of Jesus on your own, you can do that in this moment right here. There aren't magic words you say, you just literally say, God, I give you my life, forgive me, change me use me, do whatever you need to in me. God, I give it to you and watch as he begins to change things for you. If that's you, you can just begin to pray that in your heart, in your mind, even in this moment. We have a God that changes lives. So God, we thank you that you do that. And I pray, Lord, that even as we walk out these doors today, that we would be more aware of you every step of the way. Holy Spirit, that we would know that you are right there inside of us, leading us, guiding us. God, we we pray that we would tell people your story. We pray that we would, God, show people your love. Change us, move in us, and it's in your name we pray. And everybody said...